sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it can be, it can be confusing at times. And um, there's a lot of theologians and many believers all over that have wrestled and talked through what it, what the whole, who the Holy Spirit is. And um, today, my goal is not to give you a full, you know, theological discussion on what the Holy or who the Holy Spirit is. But my goal is is to really walk through, hopefully, deconfusing what the Holy Spirit has been maybe conceived of or thought of in your mind. And I want to talk about what happens in that verse you're talking about in John 14, 26, where he says, Jesus tells the disciples, I'm going to send a helper. And so today, if you've got no, if you've got to take a pen and paper, we're going to take some notes walking through um, really the Holy Spirit and his coming. So there's like this handoff that happens, almost like in a race. If you've ever run track before and you're doing the baton handoff, there's this race that's taking place. And uh, if you can imagine it, it's like this. Jesus is carrying the baton with the disciples. And at one point, he lets go of the baton to pass it off to the Holy Spirit who will take it from that point on. And, um, and so we're going to talk about that handoff that happens in the New Testament. So we're going to start with Jesus and the disciples. So if you can't see very well, that's why I have it up on the screens for you if you need to take a, a bigger peek at it. But I'm going to give you this right here. It says, the disciples, this is a time period for them when they are doing life with Jesus. Okay? So there's a moment in time, we see it, where Jesus calls the disciples to come follow him. And for the next three years, the disciples are doing life with Jesus. Jesus is taking them with them. They're going through uh, different cities and towns, and Jesus is teaching alongside them. He is doing miracles alongside them. They are getting a firsthand experience with Jesus. They would stay the night with him. They would travel with him. Like, they literally were in this posse together of doing life with Jesus, like in the flesh, like physically, just like someone sitting next to you right now, Jesus was like that doing life. And so these disciples for three years are enjoying this and growing in this, and they're trusting Jesus more and more. And then all of a sudden we come to a passage in John, John 14, but there's a couple, like John 13, 14, 15, and 16 are all right there. But John 14, Jesus really begins to tell them, he says this. He looks the disciples in the eyes and he says, I, who have been with you the last three years, I'm leaving you. I'm leaving you. And you can imagine the disciples who all they know as a follower of Jesus is literally having Jesus in the passenger seat with them the whole way. Are thinking, what do you mean you're going to leave? Like, you're, you're, there's one point where Paul or P Peter's like, Jesus, are you crazy? Like, you're not leaving, okay? And Jesus literally rebukes him and says, no, no, this must happen. And so what happens is that Jesus says, I'm leaving, but he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not let your hearts be afraid. Jesus tells the disciples because he knows that as soon as he tells them that, their hearts are beginning to sink. Fear comes over them. They're anxious and worried about what's to come. What does this mean that Jesus is leaving us? 
Could you imagine coming into middle school and Jesus literally showed up on the first day of sixth grade and was like, hey, I'm actually going to walk through middle school with you every single day. You know, like I'm just going to, I'm going to be right here. Like in the flesh, Jesus is going to your classes with you and he sits next to you. He's like, hey, actually don't pick C. It's actually D, all the above. You know, he's like giving you all the help, you know. He's like, actually that person in the lunchroom, they've been having a bad day. You ought to go talk to them. You're like, okay, all right. Thanks, Jesus, for that help. You know, and like, and then all of a sudden you get home and, you know, Jesus is like, I'm going to help you clean your room. And like, you're just like doing life with Jesus, right? And then all of a sudden you get to the last day of eighth grade and Jesus says, all right, you're going to high school. How exciting for that. I'm, uh, I'm actually leaving. You would be like, what in the world? Are you kidding me? Like, we're just getting started. Like, I'm just expecting for me, I'm gonna be the coolest kid in high school. I mean, I got Jesus coming to school with me. You know, like, you're just talking it up. Could you imagine how the disciples felt after three years with Jesus? And he says, I'm vamping out. I'm gone. I'm leaving. That would be devastating to them. But Jesus says, here's the deal, you ought not let your hearts be troubled or afraid because of two reasons, or there's a couple that he says, but two big ones that I think that apply for us tonight. Number one, he says, I'm going to the Father. Why are you sad about that? Like, I'm getting a promotion, if anything. I'm going to hang out with God. You should be celebrating this and championing this. When Camden Nephew, who used to be an MA here for us, I had lunch with him this past, uh, I guess it was last week. I had lunch with Camden. I went to get, get you know, Las Palmitas, which is a Mexican joint down the town, down the, down the street. I went and got lunch with Camden. And when he left us in middle school as an MA, obviously I was sad for him. And I began thinking, who's going to be able to fill in for Camden? He does so much for us in our middle school ministry. But I was excited for Camden because he was leaving the MA role and going to be a student pastor in Paris, Tennessee. See, the disciples are in this moment where yeah, they're going to lose having Jesus right there, but how exciting it is that Jesus is going to be with the Father in heaven. He's saying, you ought to be excited for me. But then number two, the other reason he says that you ought not let your hearts be troubled is because he says, I'm going to send you a helper, the Holy Spirit. He literally says in John 14, at one point, just a couple of verses before what you're memorizing, he says at one point, he says, it is better for you that I leave so that the Holy Spirit can come. It's better that Jesus leaves in the flesh so that the Holy Spirit can come and dwell within your life. So let's talk about how that is a reality for these guys. So John 14, he says, I am leaving. And what happens is a few days later, we encounter the death, burial, and resurrection. I hope I spelt that right. Is that two R's? Maybe not. Maybe it's not even R. I don't even know what I put there. But the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus would go to the cross where he would be nailed on both hands and on his feet and hung on a cross. Why? Because he was going to bear the weight of your sin. He was going to bear the punishment that we all deserve where we've all made mistakes. And God says, because of that sin, there's a costly punishment, death. And Jesus says, no, no, I will take the punishment. I will go to the cross for the whole world, anyone who would believe. So he goes to the cross, he dies on the cross, physically dies, and is buried in a tomb, but he doesn't stay there. Three days later, Jesus raises from the dead. He rises from the dead. And he says, anyone who would believe in me would have eternal life. The disciples hear this, they receive that, and their lives are radically changed in that moment there. But if you fast forward just a couple more days after that, 
Something unique happens. What was promised in John 14, what happens is Jesus ascends into heaven and the disciples part ways. Now, they're not like got beef with each other, but Jesus says, hey, I'm ascending to the right hand of the Father, and for the next 40 days, you are going to be in a waiting season. Don't go do things. Don't go leave the city. You stay right here in Jerusalem, because in 40 days, the Holy Spirit will come. And that's what we see in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2. It's called the day of Pentecost. And what happens is, is as Jesus left and went to the right hand of the Father, now the Holy Spirit descends on the disciples and followers of Jesus. And this was a radical moment when the Holy Spirit comes. I mean, like the place is shaken. People are like really fired up about the Lord and really his kingdom. Peter who's like preaching, like thousands of people are getting saved. And this is what happens. I'm telling you, when the power of the Holy Spirit came on the lives of the disciples, everything was flipped upside down. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Talking to the disciples and the apostles, he says, And the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Literally, it will come into your life and fill you. Almost like, as Brother Steve says, it's like the Holy Spirit fills you like a glove using you for how he wants. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. You will be empowered by him, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. So what's happened now is they had a life where they were walking with Jesus in the physical flesh. Jesus sins. They wait for 40 days, and then boom, the Holy Spirit descends on the disciples, filling their life, and this is what happened. When the Holy Spirit empowers them, they begin to go all over the world. This is my best sketch of the world, okay? They go all over the world. You see this right here? And what do they do? They preach the gospel. They preach, hey, Jesus came and he died on the cross. He took the punishment for you. He was buried in a tomb, but he rose from the dead. And all those punishments, all that sin, all the things that the world throws at you, Jesus has defeated and he wants to give you salvation. He wants to give you life. And so what people do in the world, they would repent, they would believe, and they would receive. What does that even mean? It means that Christian, or not, that people around the world would say, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry where I've messed up. Lord, would you forgive me? I don't want to do those old things anymore. I want to follow you. And in light of that, Lord, also, like, I really want to believe, like, I believe, Jesus, that what you did on the cross, where you died and you were buried and you rose from the dead, was all because you love me and you want to give me salvation. You want to protect me and save me from my sin. So, Lord, thank you for that. Today, I receive you. I take you into my life as my Lord and Savior. And that is called getting saved. That's called salvation. And this is what's so cool. Every single person that gets saved also gets filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen, right? Everyone who gets saved gets filled with the Holy Spirit. So now let's fast forward, all right? Let's go like back in time. Like we're going 2,000 years ahead. We're in modern day today. And I'm going to go to um, Trent, all right? 
Trent would tell me, he's told me before, I know when he got saved, he's talked me through that. Trent would say, I'm a believer. I got saved a few years ago. So what I would say to Trent is this. is Now, that timeline has sped up all the way to Trent today. Trent is now a happy believer, okay? And he is doing life. He's in middle school now, but man, he's got a whole road ahead of him. But from the time he got saved, this is what's so cool and unique about Trent. Now, Trent, can y'all see this okay? Yeah, yeah. Trent is doing life with the Holy Spirit. Trent is doing life with the Holy Spirit. Check it out. Remember the disciples that got to walk in the physical, literally flesh of Jesus? They were doing life with him. They ate meals with him. They talked through stuff together. And Jesus would rebuke them. He would convict them. He would speak life into them. He would empower them to do so much in their life. And then he left. And they were in this troubled heart, fearful moment. But Jesus says, don't be troubled. It is better for you that I go because I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And this man is going to empower you to go into all of the world to preach the good news of the gospel. He's going to allow you to be used for great kingdom work. And that has continued to go on. Everyone who got saved was filled with the Holy Spirit so that no longer do we see in the Old Testament where God would meet them in a temple. He says, no, no, Trent is my temple. I'm going to dwell inside the hearts of Trent. I'm going to dwell inside the hearts of Chad and Kristen and Adeline and many others in this room. He says, if you're a Christian and a follower of Jesus, he has filled your life and he is empowering and living and using you in mighty ways. So let's talk about this. What does this look like right here for Trent to do life with the Holy Spirit? You see, if we look through Scripture, I, I'm about to pass it over to your, your life group leaders to walk through this, but here's the deal. The Holy Spirit, in the same way it says in Judges, where it came on the, the Holy Spirit came onto the person of Samson, it's where when he was attacked by a lion, he would tear it in shreds because of the power that Christ would clothe him in with the Holy Spirit. That's the same power that God uses whenever he uses your life group leaders to teach the word of God. The same way that when he says in John 14 that the Holy Spirit is the helper, he is going to help you in all of life. In the same way where it says that he will also convict of sin throughout Romans and even later in some of the letters that he writes, the Holy Spirit is there to convict you of places that you've missed it. Have you ever had a moment where you were like struggling with something? You got this temptation coming to your heart, and you're like, oh, I don't know, I want to do this, but all of a sudden the Lord reminds you of a verse? Have you ever had that happen? Yeah, it happens to me like all the time, right? I'm like, oh man, like I need to honor my parents, you know, or I need to love my neighbor or whatever it is. In this John chapter 14, it talks about it, how the Holy Spirit will come upon you to teach and remind you of all things. What we see in the disciples' life here, where they missed it and didn't understand it, when the Holy Spirit came on in their life on this side, man, it was like things that they heard there became alive. 
The reason that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are all written because the Holy Spirit came on top of those guys, remind them old things, and use them to write scripture for you today. Peter was called Satan by Jesus himself when he was doing things that were, he was saying things that were against what God was doing. But you fast forward to here, on the other side, when he's going into the world to preach, thousands of people are getting saved. The church is literally built on the life of Peter, and it's because the Holy Spirit was empowering him. God was working in him. You see, in your life here, Trent, I look at you right here. In your life, how is the Holy Spirit going to teach and remind you stuff? The number one way God's going to teach you is through his word. Every time you come home, every time you wake up in the morning, my hope is that you would grab your Bible. You would sit down beside your bed or your desk or wherever it's at. And you would say, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you teach me today? Teach me something new. Would you show me something new in your word? Would you remind me of something new in your word? Those moments right here, every single day, when you go to the word and let the Lord teach you, when the Holy Spirit's work in your life, I promise this will never return void. The Lord is going to teach you so much. I remember when I was in the summer of 2014. The summer of 2014, I was, I was spending every single day. If this was my whole summer, it was like every single day. I didn't miss it. I was getting the word, walking through it every day. And the Lord was teaching me so many moments. I was learning stuff every single day. He was preparing me. He was shaping me. He was molding the way I think. I mean, I really was. The who I was at this part of the summer and who I was at the end of the summer were two totally different Corio Harris. Because the Lord was teaching me and shaping me and molding me for his good. And what happened at the end of the summer is I was at a spot where when the Holy Spirit said, you're going to sacrifice making a lot of money in the accounting world as a businessman to go be a minister of the gospel, my heart was ready to obey because the Lord had been teaching me over and over again. I remember I wrote in my journal. I said, Lord, I am reminded of how you've been faithful every single step of the way. Why would I doubt you today? Students, the Holy Spirit is real and alive and effective in your life. The question is, is are you allowing him the ability, the opportunity to help you? Will you let him help you make decisions? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to speak into your life? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to show you new things in the word? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you in your life? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to bear fruit of the Spirit in your life? Will you be obedient and open to let the Lord work in a mighty way through the Holy Spirit in your middle school days?